Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. All right, what's going on, everybody? Good to see you guys. Welcome to Citizens Youth. It is a beautiful Wednesday night. We're super thankful that you guys are here. Super thankful to have you guys in the Lord's house. You're like, whoa, things just got serious. Yeah, 100%. Hey, guys, my name's Noah. I uh, help lead our youth ministry here. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, welcome. If it's your first time like ever in the room tonight, Hopefully we're not too scary. We are just really awkward. But I promise you that you can make a friend here. Everyone around, just look around the room right now and just like awkwardly smile and wave. All right, cool. See, show everyone we're friendly. Yeah, that's right. And you're like, this is not helping. This makes me feel even weirder. OK, I'm so sorry. Um, but I'm glad that you're here. And God's glad that you're here. And um, open up your Bible to Micah chapter 4. And we're in the middle of a series called Micah, Hope in the Chaos. And um, I love that title because that is exactly what's happening in this book. Um, That's exactly what's going on in the midst of a lot of the Old Testament. There is just chaos, chaos of sin, chaos of um, invading armies from other nations, the chaos of idolatry, the chaos of sexual sin. All of these crazy things are happening. But in the middle of that, there seems to be just like a little glimmer of hope. There seems to be... Um, hints at redemption. There seem to be glimpses of joy. There seems to be an overall consensus throughout all of the Old Testament and the law and the prophets that something is going to happen and something is going to change. And this back and forth, fall, redemption, fall, redemption, fall, redemption, fall, redemption cycle of sin will be broken once and for all. And the book of Micah is no exception to that. And uh, we're in chapter four. And uh, this title of this message is Kingdom Come. Uh, It's the end of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, first of all, okay, let's rewind a little bit. Let's recap. Who's missed like one of the weeks out of the past two weeks? You've missed all of them? Welcome, glad you're here. Glad you're here. We're gonna do a little recap with some memes that I made, and I don't remember the order I put them in, so let's just start with whatever one you want to, Cody, some of those memes I sent you. Um, All right, Israel living in idolatry. The word of the Lord came to Micah, right? They're all just like chilling. They're like, whatever, nothing really matters, and Micah's like, no, the judgment of the Lord is upon you. That's That's a good one. That's like a B plus meme. All right, next one. Micah 1 through 3, I bring a sort of God's judgment is upon you vibe that the evil leaders and false prophets that the Israelites don't really like. Yeah, that's kind of true. That's kind of what Micah 1 through 3 is. Um, Okay, next one. Repent and turn to the Lord or draw 25, Israel. (laughs) Draws 25, right? All right. These can just be recaps of the Old Testament as a whole. All right, (laughs) that's it. That's our recap of Micah memes in review. Did we like this segment or no? Jury's still out on that one. Okay, let's just talk about the Bible because that, uh, that was interesting. Okay, so we've seen the problem is clear, abundantly clear. It got even more clear last week. 
it couldn't be more clear that there is a sin problem. We have idolatrous Israelites, corrupt leaders taking advantage of the poor, false prophets preaching heresy, and they are getting money because of it, and wickedness all around. The people have brought judgment upon themselves because of their own actions, and we will see the destruction of the northern kingdom, the exile from the people from their homes into a foreign land to be strangers for years and years to come. Yikes, where is the hope part of this series? And I can say we will see here in chapter four. The problem is clear, but the solution is even clearer. There must be a Messiah to make all of these things right, to transform the people of Israel, not just the people of Israel, but the people around the whole world. There must be a solution not to the problem of war, not to the problem of pain, but to the problem of sin that lives inside of every single person. And God has always had a plan for his people. God has always had a plan for his people. God has had a plan for his people since the very beginning, since day one. And I can promise you that he has a plan for you as well. He has a promise for you, for your redemption. He has a plan for the deepest, darkest sin in your life that you're hiding. God has a plan and a solution to redeem that, to rescue that. And I pray that as you listen to God's word tonight, you would know that, you would recognize that, and you would see that on full display. I pray that you would hear tonight not the words from me or not my opinion or my perspective or my ideas, but you would hear from God's word and that God's word would do its work and cut you right to the heart. God be with us as we look at this. Thousands of years are in between our modern ears and the day that this was preached publicly from Micah. There's a lot standing in the way um, but your Holy Spirit cuts through all of that. Um, when we feel like we can't understand or we feel like our attention span's too small or the language barrier is kind of confusing sometimes, God, your Holy Spirit can cut through all of those excuses that we bring to the table. So I pray that you would do that tonight and that your word would speak to us through this passage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're gonna read the first five verses. This is God's word. It says this, it shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and it shall be lifted up above the hills and the people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for the strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore but they shall sit every man under his vine, under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever, amen. 
This is God's word. I know, like, let's just, come on. Let's just pray. We're done. It's over. That is amazing. Uh, This is a glimpse into God's perfect kingdom, verses one through five. I don't know if you've ever had like a perfect day, if you can look back in your life. I remember for me, like growing up birthdays, my parents were really big on birthdays, specifically my dad. My dad to this day, he's in his mid fifties and his birthday is tomorrow. Tomorrow? Friday? It's on Friday. And he loves birthdays. And he like will like subtly remind all of us in the family that like his birthday's coming up and it's like a big deal. And he tends to extend his birthday celebration from the day of to like the entire week after. I don't know. It's something like that. But I remember growing up, my parents were big on birthdays and they like let me formulate whatever day that I wanted to have. And I remember, I think it was like my 11th birthday or 12th birthday, something like that. Super Smash Bros just came out on the Wii. And I had had the Wii. I was one of the few guys in my neighborhood who had the Wii. And my parents were like, what do you want to do for your birthday? And my birthday fell on a Friday in like 2008 or 2009. And I was like, I want to have a neighborhood Super Smash Bros birthday party. And I want to have Philly cheesesteaks. And I just remember that like was, and you're like, that's super weird. But that's just, for me, that was the perfect day, right? Just what I wanted, and I won, not because that they let me win the tournament, but because I'm really good at Smash Bros, and I believe I could beat any of you in the room. I promise you. I would put money on it. Yes. Yes, I can. Um, That's just like the perfect day. I don't know if you have had a perfect day. I don't know if you've had like a perfect vacation. I don't know if you've like gone to Disney World or went to the coast or went to a beautiful foreign country with like tropical beaches and you were just like, that was the perfect vacation. I don't know if you've ever had a perfect meal after a long day of school or work, you come home. Do you know what the best feeling in the world is? When you feel like on a Tuesday you're going home to like a crock pot meal and you're like, oh no, please no. And your mom's like, the chicken didn't thaw on time, we're gonna go to a restaurant, and you're just like, this is the best day ever, right? Did we all have that experience? No? Just leave me up here? Okay, thanks, man. Um, Okay, we use the word perfect a lot, um, but we really shouldn't. We use this idea of perfect, um, but what we really mean is just like really good. Um, There's nothing perfect about our lives. Um, There's nothing perfect about the world we live in. Uh, There's nothing perfect about the things that we go through. Um, Throughout every single thing in life, there always seems to be a tint of something that's just like not perfect. But in this passage, in these hopeful shifting of tones, Micah says that one day, everything is going to be perfect. No more war, no more sickness, no more disease, no more enemies invading your country, no more exile. None of that is going to happen anymore. When is that going to happen? In the latter days. Okay, well, when is that? That's a great question. The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob. Micah is painting a picture of a perfect kingdom that is run by a perfect king where all the peoples of the world, not just Israel, all of the nations will go to this spot 
to worship the king and to live in peace and harmony. You see, the Bible doesn't just prophesy about Jesus. The Bible prophesies about things that we haven't seen yet. And this is kind of one of those, this passage is unique. There's double prophecies in here. Some of these are fulfilled by Christ, but not all of them. We're still waiting for some of these promises to be fulfilled for the people of God. But Micah says a perfect kingdom is coming. The people would have needed to hear that. This is now under the king Hezekiah. He is leading, he fears the Lord unlike his father. And there's destruction in the northern kingdom. There is uh, the Assyrians knocking on their door. People are scared. People want to know what's going to happen to me and my family. And Micah says, hey, one day, everything's going to be perfect. Doesn't mean right now, but one day, everything will be perfect. Because at the end of all things, God is going to reign over his perfect kingdom. Uh, Kingdom language is used a lot in the scriptures. Kingdom language is used uh, a lot by Jesus himself, specifically in Matthew and Mark. There's a kingdom coming that will be established above all the other kingdoms on earth, above all the other cities on earth. And this will be a physical, glorious, bodily reign of King Jesus on earth one day. And that hasn't happened yet. I don't know about you, but Jesus came. He suffered on our behalf. He was resurrected on the third day. He ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit indwells his people, and the church church exists to this day. And there's still war. There's still suffering. There's still pain. There's still death. So what's going on? What's the deal? When's this going to happen? We don't know. But one day it will. You see, when Jesus came in to usher the kingdom of God, It's this great in-between. It's this great here and not yet. The kingdom of God isn't just a like physical place. It is the authority of God. It is the rule of God. It is the existence of God reigning supreme above everything and him living inside of us. But one day, we're gonna be able to see it all in person. One day, we are going to see physically Jesus reigning above everything everything. And that's what Micah says. Nations will come to it. They will flow and, 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 and bring in their families to see this. And we see the death of death itself. We see the end of destruction in verse three. They will beat their swords into plowshares. And you're like, what does that mean? Um, so an instrument of death is going to be turned into an instrument of life. A plowshare was used to harvest crops and to provide food. Same thing here. It says they're going to turn their spears into pruning hooks. God is going to take what was once used for destruction and bring life. God is going to take what was once used to kill each other and to destroy each other and to tear down the physical kingdom of Israel in 723 BC. And God's going to turn all those things into instruments of life when he chooses to. And everyone will be in perfect peace. Everyone, as the, as the text puts it, every man shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree. 
you're like, when I picture heaven or the kingdom of God, I don't think about like vines or fig trees. Middle schools are like, is there Mountain Dew in heaven? Because that would be awesome. That would be way better than fig trees. I get it. This is just an image of prosperity. This is just somebody who's laid back in the shade, dwelling in the presence of God, thankful because the king's got it all under control. It's a perfect kingdom. No one shall be afraid. Do you hear all the language that is being used here? This is a kingdom that is here, but not yet. We look forward to this kingdom. We point towards this kingdom and it changes the way we live our lives. So why does, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Okay, cool, that's going to happen. Um, because God's plan is to restore all things. God's plan is to reconcile all things to himself. And our call is to be patient. Just to be patient. Uh, this isn't your home. This isn't our home. If you look around the room, this is a great facility. It's a great spot. Um, there's stains in the carpet. There's cracks in some of the wall. There's things wrong here. When you go throughout life, you can see more of the same. Yes, we have good days, we have great relationships, but the consequences of sin still weigh on our hearts and still weigh on our lives. That's because this isn't our home. We were made for something more. We were made for something else. C.S. Lewis says it like this. I really love this quote. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Wow, just puts it in a way that I never could, but just makes so much sense. Um, we are exiles, if you think about it. Our home is in heaven. Our future hope is in this perfect kingdom, but we don't live there quite yet. Our future hope has been settled through Christ, but we're not home. We don't get to see the city yet. We don't get to see the physical kingdom, but it's coming, it is out there. Why is this important? We must be patient. And I know that we can struggle with hopelessness. I know it's easy to struggle with hopelessness, especially as a high school student or a middle school student. When you're sitting in class with just an overwhelming sense of like nothing matters and this just doesn't feel right, you can call it depression, you can call it anxiety, you can call it fear of the future, you can call it not feeling like you fit in, not feeling like you belong. Maybe it's because we don't belong here. Maybe it's because we were never supposed to have to plan for our future that our king was gonna take care of all of it. Maybe it's because we um, aren't supposed to fit in with the culture around us. Maybe Maybe it's because we were made for this kingdom that Micah is talking about. And so you and I have to be patient. We have to embrace that this world is in our home. No amount of friends that you gather around yourself, they're never gonna heal that God-sized hole in your heart. No amount of like career pursuits or awards or like, you know, 4.2 GPAs or like scholarships, none of that is going to satisfy you at the end of the day because we're made for this kingdom. No matter what you collect in this world, God's kingdom will always be more attractive and that's okay. And my call to you is to embrace that. Embrace the discomfort of being in exile. 
Philippians, what this ministry is named after, Philippians chapter four, for our citizenship is in heaven. That's where we belong. That's where we're like, we're not from, but that's what God is calling us to. And right now we live in the great in-between where we can look forward to a kingdom like this and know that this is not our home. What if you and I were created for a heavenly kingdom? How could that change your perspective on this one? Jesus uses kingdom language in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, Jesus says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's really, this is a fascinating verse, right? If you think about the ministry of Jesus and you think of the ministry and the history of the Israelites, this kingdom language would have been established. This prophecy would have been here for 700 years before Christ. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. But it's not like a citizenship you have to like apply for. It's not like a kingdom you have to find. Like, where is it? Okay, is it gonna be here in Israel, right? And people are gonna climb over our walls to try and be a part of this? No, Jesus says the only thing that's necessary for this kingdom is repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a great here, but not yet. And one day, the Bible points to a physical rule of Christ here on earth. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. So I, let's put it like this. I've got a globe here, right? And you're like, the earth is flat, shut up. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Unless, no, um, the earth is not flat. But the, here's a globe which represents our world um, with all of the sin, all of the problems, all of the war, um, all of the terrorist attacks, all of the depression and anxiety and cancer. And it exists, right? And you're like, wow, that's not very hopeful, but here we go. Um, it still says the Union of the Soviet Socialist Republic. So this is kind of an old school globe, right? I wasn't around when that was a thing, but some of your leaders are, so just like remind them of that. And this world's not perfect. God created this world perfectly. Man chose to sin. We're separated from God. And a lot of times people get caught up in this world. We, as Christians, we get caught up in trying to make this world perfect. Perfect house, perfect neighborhood, perfect family. Follow God's all perfectly, and, and like nothing is gonna be wrong with us. And uh, that's not a good perspective to have because this world isn't our home. But I think we also get ourselves in a bit of a difficult situation when we focus on God's kingdom above absolutely everything else, right? Where we ignore the world, we ignore the mission that God's called us to here in the time that we have, and we say, you know, this world's gonna pass away all of its glory and it's just gonna burn and we just gotta focus on heaven, pray this prayer, cool, now just wait until you're like 90 and then you'll be there. And I don't think that's a helpful view of the kingdom of God either. This is what God wants to do. God is going to establish his kingdom here through his king, Jesus. God wants to bring heaven to earth and he did through Jesus and he will establish it fully in perfect harmony one day. And we live in this great in between where we help to usher in God's kingdom and we know that this world is not going to be perfect. It never will be, but this is what God is going to do. He is going to bring his kingdom here. And that's what Micah professes in chapter four. So that's a lot of hope. That's a lot of hope 
for us today. Focus on God's kingdom. Focus on what he's going to do. Know it's not going to be perfect, but believe in faith that God will establish it. Micah continues, verses six through eight, or excuse me, six through 10. We're gonna read those together. So look back at the text. Excuse me, I have a bad habit of not knowing how to drink water. And uh, right, it's hard. It says this, in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather all of those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant. That was a super important word last week. And I want you to think about it right now. Verse seven is a key moment in this passage. And I will make the, or the lame, I will make the remnant and all those who were cast off a strong nation. And I will, and I, the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. And you, O tower of the flock, the hill of the daughter of Zion, you to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain has seized you like a woman in labor. Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, for like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon." There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Again, hope in the chaos. There's some good news. There's some bad news. But here's the good news. God's remnant is restored. God plans to restore his remnant through the coming destruction. A lot of people will look at the Bible and say, well, see, God contradicts himself all the time. Is it positive? Is it negative? And uh, it does not contradict itself. It is giving hope in the midst of chaos that will happen. Uh, The judgment is still there. Verse 10 shows us that, um, that they will have to leave their city, they will dwell in the open country, and they will go to Babylon. All of this will happen. But there you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hands of your enemy. God has a plan to redeem his people. God has a plan to redeem his people. God doesn't say, all right, Israel, I give you like a thousand opportunities to fix it and you didn't. And so I'm just like done. Flood 3.0, 2.0, whatever coming in, you're done. He doesn't say that. Some people read the Old Testament like that, but that's not what it says. He didn't say, all right, well, you guys figure it out. I heard Babylon's awesome this time of year. I heard the Assyrians are like really powerful. Good luck with that. I'm going over here. God doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, yes, these things shall happen, but there I will rescue you. There I will redeem you from the hands of your enemies. Babylon represents everything sinful, everything wrong, everything evil. And God says, I'm going to rescue you from the epitome of evil. That's obviously foreshadowing what Christ would do with all of us. God plans to restore his remnant. Look again a little bit earlier 
in verses six and seven, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. Again, God is disciplining his uh, nation for their disobedience. And the lame, I will make the remnant. The lame, I will make the remnant. Those that will be secure, those that will be rescued, those that will be redeemed will be the lame. And those who are cast off, a strong nation. Um, Though the leaders and the, the judges and the prophets were all going astray, they were all preaching false doctrine, they were all doing these things, there were still groups of people, Hezekiah being one of them, the king at this time, who were fearful and following the Lord. But they will still experience the consequences of other people's sin. And that happens to all of us today. But God says at the end of it, I'm gonna sort it out. I'm gonna fix it. I will make all things right. And when we step forward 700 years from this moment, we see Jesus fulfill one of these prophecies and some of these prophecies in a way that Micah probably could have only dreamed of or only could have imagined. In his wildest dreams or his wildest thoughts, I don't know if Micah would have imagined that God would physically and actually do this very thing through his son, Jesus. In John chapter five, we see passages like this. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has a five roofs colonadels. Colonades? How do you guys want to say that? All right, that works. In these lay a great multitude of individuals, blind, lame, and paralyzed. The one man was there, and he had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he there and knew that he had already been there a long time. And he said to them, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool where the water is stirred up and where I'm going another step down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. Uh, The kingdom of God is full of people like this. The kingdom of God has always been full of people like this. The ones that the world looked to as their leaders, we need the strongest, we need the brightest, we need the smartest, we need the most like alpha male type leader to run this thing. God says, no, I'm gonna pick those who are sick. I'm going to pick those who are lame. I'm going to pick those who are not righteous. I'm going to redeem the sinner. And that's who makes up God's kingdom. And Jesus would usher that in through his ministry and he will continue it to today and he will complete it in the future. God has a plan to restore the remnant in all things. That's the promise of the gospel. Why does this matter? Because God himself will restore what is broken through a Messiah. That's what this passage is promising. God has a plan to fix and to redeem all things through a Messiah. That was what is going to happen. And the Lord will reign supreme in all of it at the end of all time. Though they will face 
conquest, though they will be cast off into the wilderness, into the depths of sin or Babylon, God has a plan to rescue them there, and he will do it in a very unique and beautiful way through his own son. And now we see, again, hope in the chaos, these final verses. Now many nations are assembled against you, saying, let her be defiled, and let our eyes gaze upon Zion. You're like, yeah, we know that. That's, that's the problem. We're going to be conquered here. Look at verse 12. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them as sheaves on the threshing floor, a.k.a. God's going to take care of them. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron and I will make your hooves bronze. This is a way to say, I'm going to make you indestructible. I'm going to heal you. You shall beat many pieces, you shall be into pieces many peoples and shall devote their gain to the Lord and their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. In these final verses, we see one final reminder that God's plans will prevail. God's plans prevail. Above the plans of the world, of the plans of evil empires, or even evil people within the nation that was supposed to be distinct and holy and separate from the other ones, God's plans will prevail. Verse 12, they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. What a powerful like, verse that's one that you should have, like memorize Micah 4.12, but they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. And neither do we, really. They don't know what's going to come. They don't know what's going to happen. Nothing can stop God's plan. No evil kingdom on here on earth, no ideology, no evil ruler, no crooked generation, no evil plan, None of it will prevail and stop the Lord's redemption. God is saying that there's plenty of enemies out there, but I have a plan for them and I have a plan for you. Why does this matter? Because God is always doing something bigger than what we understand right now in this moment and he will keep his promise. He will keep his promise to redeem Israel through exile. He will keep his promise to redeem his people in exile and in Babylon. And God is doing something bigger than what you and I understand right now. It's easy to look at passages like this and, and metaphors that are, can, you know, at the time they were like fire and it's like, wow, that's awesome. And now we read it and we're like, why? Hooves of bronze, okay. Right, as we contextualize these verses, it's important to understand that God's plans will prevail no matter what. That's what Micah is saying in this moment. And as we close this passage, we can take a breath of fresh air because this passage is full of hope. Chapter four is full of hope. Nothing can stop what God is going to establish. And here's the main thing that we take away from this. In the Messiah, we find hope that will reign forever. God says there's a kingdom coming that's not like this world. And yes, there, there's kings and there's evil empires that are going to attack you, but there's something that comes after it. And they don't know my thoughts. My thoughts. 
They don't know my plans. They don't know what's going to happen. But there is one who's going to come to gather the remnant, which is full of sinners, which is full of people who are struggling, which is full of people who are not strong in the world's eyes. God says, I'm going to take all of them, and I am going to establish something new, heaven on earth. And in this Messiah, we find hope that will reign forever in our hopelessness. Because I, I think if we were all honest, we could admit that we have it. We know that this isn't our home, and God's doing something bigger than we can understand. This is not it. Let's say all the kingdoms of the world will prevail, and all the sin of the current age will overtake us. That's not going to stop God. It never has. It never will. And let's say that we get to the very end of it where we are even destroyed or killed because of these beliefs. There's a kingdom that's going to be waiting for us that God has established here on earth, heaven to earth. There is hope for Israel and their coming king, and there is hope for us in the king that we recognize as Christ. There is hope for you. There's hope for me in God's kingdom. Would you bow your head with me? God, we're thankful for um, you, for your word, and I pray that you be with us tonight as we look through passages like this. We know that um, through your Holy Spirit and through just help of, of good Bible study, we can see what you're saying. Uh, we, can, we can hear your words and your heart through this. And, and God, we know that you're faithful to fulfill these promises. We know that you have. We know that we don't have to fear exile in the Babylon because you've redeemed us. God, you kept your promise to redeem the remnant and to keep your people safe through those years, and to bring your son into the picture. And ever since that moment, God, we look forward to what Jesus says, that the kingdom of heaven is near. And so, God, I pray that everyone in the room listening to my voice would understand that um, there's nothing, there's no ideologies, there's no uh, people in their <laughs> schools, or there's no evil ruler of our day that can stop what you are starting and have started, and that we get to just trust you in this, and we claim your name, we claim your son Jesus in all of this, and we look forward to the kingdom that you're building and that you're building in us right now and that we will see fully one day. We long for that kingdom, we long for that. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.